Hey, hey, Kingdom Daughter, welcome back. I am so glad you are here. Thank you so much for listening in, for sharing this podcast with those around you, and just for being here. You're amazing. If you are new here, welcome. I am so glad you are here. Before we get started, I just wanted to remind you that the Kingdom Daughters has a Facebook group. It's all about community. It's all about connection, and I am really excited about where it is going and what God's going to do. So please come and join us in there. All you have to do is go to thekingdomdaughters.com and click on the link that says join free Facebook group. Come on in there, join in the fun, join in the conversation and get to know some other beautiful women just like you. All right. I'm super excited about this conversation I have with my friend, Rebecca. We are talking about surrender and motherhood, but we also talk about surrender in general and just some overall life stuff. And so I hope and pray you are blessed by this and encouraged by this and that you feel challenged in some way and grow deeper in the Lord from our conversation. So let's get to it. Kingdom Daughters, I'm super excited to introduce you to my friend, Rebecca. She is, I actually met Rebecca through Clubhouse, the Clubhouse app, which is crazy. Um, And then we got connected on Instagram and we've done a couple of different rooms together on Clubhouse. And she is an amazing mom and she has so much wisdom a lot of times in what she says about motherhood and her walk with the Lord. And so I'm super happy to have her today. We are going to be talking about surrendering in motherhood. And I just am super excited for this conversation. So Rebecca, thank you for being here. Would you please just uh, maybe introduce yourself a little bit about how many kids you have? Everybody wait for this one. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, thanks for being, let me be here and, uh, thank you friends for listening in today. So my name is Rebecca Pierce and I am a full-time mom of five children from teen to toddler or toddler to teen. And so that means our youngest is not quite two yet. And our oldest is turning 15 next month. So we're gearing up for all the adventures of driving and high school activities and all of that. I've been married to my husband for 16 years and we run a farm business together. In addition to um, me, I'm also a writer, speaker, and Bible teacher. Um, And the margin of time that I have that, you know, I get to find that time to go and do that and just encourage women from God's word. That's so awesome. I honestly don't know how you do all the things. (laughs) Well, you have the three, yeah, right. But you, as you know, you don't do them all at the same time. So there's definitely been seasons where, you know, you just kind of hone in with a smaller focus and, and right now our kids are getting old enough or olders where they can kind of step in. And we kind of, we have a value of interdependence in our family. So even though they're getting more, they're getting older to that interdependent stage, we really kind of call them back in and say, Hey, you're old enough old enough to give and to receive. And we kind of really work together. And so that's how I'm able to do a little bit more, even though we have some youngers is because we're all learning how to have more of a team dynamic instead of mom and dad, just carrying so much of the weight. So it's an exciting new season. That's a really, really good way of putting it. I was just thinking today, I need to get our boys. I mean, our boys do a lot of chores. We've, we've had them doing chores. We actually, a video came out today of a memory of my, my oldest, when he must've been like five and my youngest was like a year and a half and they were moving the laundry from the washer to the dryer. And my oldest was throwing it 
down and my youngest was picking it up and throwing it into the dryer. Right. And so we've had them doing chores, but there are certain things that just taking care of each other and helping the, the dynamic as family. I love that you said team. That's a great, that's a great, yeah, so that, I mean, and I could talk about this, you know, I know this is not the topic of the day, but it's just really something that's important to me because I think for a while I grew up in a generation where you grew up to be a strong, independent person. Yeah. And what I've realized is I, I don't, I've never, I'm just turned 40 and I have never reached a season where I didn't need someone else mm. never. And so I think for me, Biblically, looking at it biblically, it talks all about being in community and relying and working together. And so I, I'm like, wow, I, I think I need to raise our children. We need to raise our children um, to not outgrow their need for each other. Because if right. we outgrow our need for each other, then we think we outgrow our need for God, that self-sufficiency. Right. You know, we, we teach them self-sufficiency. And then when we say in faith, oh, but rely on God, mm-hmm. let him be the all-sufficient one. And they don't know how to do that if they've only learned that they can't rely on anyone else. And so for me, it's, it's really being intentional and saying like, no, we, we rely on God to be the all sufficient one. And we step up and rely on each other. And if we never outgrow our need for each other in a healthy dynamic, mm-hmm. um, then we we're we're showing that we are innately wired for community and they're going to be more apt to step into having a college roommate right? And that go healthy or um, having a spouse or having children or living, you know, intergenerationally or, or whatever that might look like, but just, they're going to be more um, in tune with what it looks like to live from a community perspective Mm -hmm. than from just an independent individualistic perspective, you know, even in the church. Yeah, absolutely. That's really good. I remember growing up having that that mentality of like, my mom wanted me to be like this strong, independent woman, not having to depend on someone else. And and it's a good thing, you know, to be taught those things, like that you don't want to just like wait around for a husband, you know, (laughs) but at the same time it is, it's so important because then there was a, there was a struggle there for a while for me of understanding like, Oh wait, I need to trust in God and I need to rely on him. But I've been taught like to rely on myself. Mm-hmm. And that can be very confusing. So that's, that's really, really good. And that kind of actually goes along with, I feel like the, the conversation of surrender, right? Because Absolutely. it is, there is such a, there's a give and take there when we talk about surrender and trying to understand what that looks like surrendering our lives to him, but also running with what he gives to us, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Taking on the, the things that he's given to us and running with it because we do have feet and we do have hands and we do have a mouth, you know, but also saying, wait, Lord, whatever you say, right. Whatever you say. So it's good. I wanted to talk about surrender in motherhood because I feel like the conversation is, can be very hard in the fact that we have a 10, I don't know, maybe it's just me have a tendency to want to control what our kids do and where they go. And there's such a fine line there of being in charge of what they're doing and protecting them. Cause I, a lot of times I have to find myself saying, okay, I'm protecting them because God has given me that role and I'm protecting them. But where, when does it stop? 
between being protection and controlling what they're doing. So what do you think about that? What's, what comes to your mind in that conversation? (laughs) Yeah. So that is, I think that's the struggle of parenthood. That's, you know, one, a very big struggle of parenthood because when they are younger, which I do have younger still, my job is to keep them safe, right? Toddlers, it is to keep them alive every single day. If you, you know, those toddler years, it kind of feels like, especially in my work, in my home, we have four boys. And so I have mainly boy experience, but toddlers as boys are, are set out to try to kill themselves every day, right? What new adventure could I have that may result in severe injury? And so my job is for, you know, four years is to keep them from, you know, resulting in injury, right? And then as they move into uh, elementary and things like that, there's new dynamics of protection. We can talk about technology. We can talk about friendship. We can talk about what that looks like to be at school. Um, So I a hundred percent, it's like, when do we, when do we pull that back and say protection looks differently? And the story that comes to mind for me immediately as we homeschooled our older two, we have a 15 year old daughter or son, and then an almost 13 year old daughter. And we homeschooled them, um, for the first couple years, um, of school, like kindergarten, first, second grade. And we were a part of a co-op with our older one. And it was awesome. They went all the way up through high school. And so I got to be around parents of all ages. I got to be around kids of all ages with all homeschool, you know, dynamics and things. And when we were homeschooling, um, a school shooting happened. Mm. And I remember getting calls from friends who were in the public school district asking me questions about homeschooling. Mm. And it really gave me pause because they were also, we were also having conversations within our co-op about why we homeschool. And at that time I was able to give a devotional to our co-op and I was very strategic in what I said. And I said, we don't homeschool to protect our children. We homeschool to prepare them for the world. Hmm. And that was an important paradigm shift for me because I was getting these calls from families who are in the public school district and they wanted to protect their children at all costs. And they were like, so we're going to bring them home. And I was like, but is that really the best fit for them? Because you cannot protect them forever and always, right? Right. It's like finding Nemo. You can't do that. They are made for adventure. They are made for exploring. They, they will eventually have a life of their own. So my job as the parent has to be to prepare them. Hmm. But that moment of the shift, right? The helicopter parent of toddlers versus the helicopter parent of teenagers looks different. And I have to surrender because they're um, back to the Lord and say, okay, I'm going to release. I'm going to step back a bit and I'm going to believe God that you are going to cover the gaps because there are going to be gaps. But the truth is, is that there were gaps when you were parenting the toddlers too. There's always gaps. And so the, the quicker we can get to that place of saying, God, I believe the best of you in this situation. I believe that you care more about my teenager, my eight-year-old, my two-year-old than I ever could. I believe that you are working for our good. Mm. Then and only then is it, it can can I pry my white knuckled fingers <laughs> right back and say, okay, I I I will t- I will step back from that place of control and, and really sit more into a surrendered position and posture. Yeah. It comes down to trusting the Lord. 
It does. And that's, that's very hard. Um, I had come across this um, Charles Spurgeon quote where he talked about faith is built of three things and it was built of knowledge, belief, and trust. And when I had come across that, the Lord broke that down for me. Um, and, and the way I understood it is knowledge. That's the stuff that we are taught about God. We read about God. We go to church, we hear, and we learn, right? That's the head knowledge, but belief, I really wrestled with that. I'm like, well, then what's belief. And I believe belief is our lived experience. Hmm. That's our heart. Like we know, we believe this to be true because we have experienced that element of God or that side of God. And so for a lot of us, it is hard to have faith in God as a good father, to trust him as a good father. If we have had a negative parenting experience with a father, right? Hmm. So we will know that God's a good God, but our belief is that fathers aren't good. So then when it comes to that trust component, it's like, I can't trust God as my father because I don't know what a good father is. And therefore we, that's where we get to like, well, I have a little bit of faith or a shaky faith, or I don't believe enough. And so whenever I have a wrestle of surrender, because surrender is rooted in trust and humility, whenever I have a wrestle of surrender, I go back to that formula, so to speak and say, which one of these is the one that's tripping me up. Is it because I don't know God in this capacity? I don't know what his word says. Like I've never known God as provider. I I don't really know passages on that. So I've never experienced God in that capacity. Or is it, I don't trust God because I've not seen him be that person or I've not seen him do that. Or I've never just released control because, you know, where's the hiccup in there um, between the knowledge, belief, and trust. That's awesome. Oh my gosh. That's so clear and concise and easy to understand. I love that so much. So I I have a question. So in, when you, for someone who's listening to this, this, I just want to hear your perspective. So what happens if the belief isn't there? Because for me, I feel like, okay, the more we know God, the more we know his word, the more we dive into it and understand who he is to the core he's our creator. He loves us. We, you know, he knows us, he sees us, we're his daughter, all these things. Then the belief becomes a little easier because we're, we're rooted in his word. We're rooted in that and more experience comes because I feel like there's a, there's a, um, there can be an excuse for people, not excuse. That sounds like negative. There can be a reasoning for people that, Oh, but I haven't known God long enough to have this belief system because I had, I just got to know him, you know, but it's like, but if you, if you spend time in God's word and you root yourself in that, the belief is there, the right. I mean, I'm just, I guess I, I would love your perspective because I feel like then the trust makes it a little easier. And I, this is something that I want to, I guess I want to talk about because my whole heart is helping women to understand their identity. Right. And so this is a great conversation on that is just knowing like when you know him, the belief comes and then the trust can come, but I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. Um, what I found the hiccup is, is that experience is a greater teacher than head knowledge. Hmm. And so if I like, if I know in my head knowledge, like what God's word says, and I'm like, yes, I do trust that. One thing that happened with me when I was younger was I believed God was good. So head knowledge, I didn't believe he was good to me, Hmm. heart knowledge and experience. And so I had to reconcile that. What is it that taught me that he is not good to me? 
And, and what it came down to was God's faithfulness. And I believe that God's faithfulness is not proven overnight, but it's proven over seasons. And so that meant that like, let's say it took seven years to prove God faithful in this one situation. Well, in year three, four, and five, I'm telling myself, God is not good to me. God is Mm -hmm. not faithful to me. God's word says that. But then in year seven, eight, and nine, I have that experience that says, oh, it just took longer than I thought. And so I think there's a reconciliation that has to happen. And this is going to speak to a lot of our lived experience because we are humans in a sinful world and we had sinful human parents and we had broken relationships and the church in all of her beauty is broken. Right. There is going to be trauma. Trauma is a part of everyone's story. Mm. And no matter how perfectly you try to parent, there's going to be trauma in your children's story. And and so I think it's important for us to make space for trauma and say, what about your lived experience is making you question this about God? Hmm. So give language to that and say, well, that's a trauma experience. What would it look like to invite Jesus into that trauma experience and maybe to heal those wounds? So you're not walking wounded in your beliefs anymore. Hmm. You're walking from healed spaces. We heal the, we heal those spaces in our belief system and in our lived experience. And now it's reconciled to what we know to be true about God from his word. And then it's like, Oh, now that trust, now that trust is easier because, you know, God, I, I know that you're a healer. I know that you are working all things out for my good because I I've been in this long enough to see that happen. You know, for me, you know, one of the notes that I wrote is like, we will never surrender to the one we don't trust. Right. We will never, but we will never trust the one we don't know. Yeah. You know? And so it's like, we have to know him through his word, but we also have to bring the fullness of our story to him and say, where are these gaps that I don't, the truth of who you are is not reflected back in them. The Hmm. truth of you being a good father is not reflected back in them. The truth of you being provider, the truth of you being the all sufficient one, the truth of you walking in the hurt places with me. Because for me, you know, one of the things about parenting our children and surrendering them back to the Lord is believing that God is in the middle of their hurting spaces. Yeah. God is going to be in the middle of their mess ups. God is going to be in it. Like he's not on the other side of it. He is in it with them. And no matter what comes, um, K Arthur, um, says that, you know, everything is filtered through his fingers of love. Hmm. And so it's like everything that comes upon my child, no matter how old they are as their parent, I'm never going to outgrow this desire to protect them. But no matter what comes, I truly believe that everything is filtered first through God's fingers of love. And I believe that he is in it with them and that whatever happens, there will be beauty to be found in it and at the end of it. And he's working that out. So when I can't be with them, when I, when they have a device, that's all their own and they may figure out a way to access (laughs) things I don't want them to access. There's a moment in there where God's going to meet them. Right. And when there's conversations at school that I can't be a part of, um, or they're going on that trip and it makes my belly feel all yucky because they're traveling so far away from me, God's with them, Right, you know, God's with them. 
and he's act, he's actively a part of what's going on. And that is when I say, okay, I don't have to white knuckle grip all these, (laughs) right. Even though I want to, because I just, I don't want them to be hurt. I don't want them to be disappointed. I don't want them to experience sorrow. Like I want to keep them from the struggle. But when I look back at my life, you know, it's been so true that the struggle is what made me who I am. Like I would have never known how strong my faith was if it hadn't ever been tested. I would never know the joy of reconciliation if there hadn't been brokenness. Now I'm not saying we institute brokenness or, you know, or any of that, but just that, like we walk through the hardest parts of our stories and we come out on the other side, stronger, more faith-filled, more certain, more loving, more gracious, more courageous because of what we went through. And if we remove that struggle from our children's lives and we remove the byproduct of that deep rooted faith, courage, tenacity, perseverance, you know, of their story. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was, I heard you say stepping back <laughs> earlier and I wrote that down. Cause I was like, I want to come back to that. What are some practical tips do you think for moms that are listening in of when you, when you say we need to step back and like, take a listen. And I think a part of that is going to be a, a, when we were just talking about the belief system, asking ourselves as moms, excuse me, asking ourselves as moms, what is it right now, Lord, that I'm not releasing to you? Why is it that I'm not able to let go of this? And because part of the reason I think that we're a little, we have a hard time surrendering is it's our own issues that we have not (laughs) surrendered to the Lord. And so we're trying to like put that on our kids a little bit. Um, and so what are some practical tips to get us out of that and to literally say, okay, I, I need to just step back in this season I'm in and surrender that to the Lord. One question that immediately popped to mind is this question of what am I afraid of? Hmm. What am I afraid of? Because at the root of our anger or our control or our seeking for approval, right. Or even our comfort, there's usually, um, a pain point that we're trying to overcome. And it's usually something we're afraid of. Mm. I'm afraid of them getting hurt. I'm afraid of trauma. I'm afraid that, you know, someone will make fun of them, whatever it is, what are you afraid of? Or it's a reflection of you. I'm afraid that, you know, they might embarrass me or they might embarrass me. It's a great one, right? They might, they might make bad choice. That looks like a poor reflection on us. My or, parenting, right. Mm-hmm. And there's usually this, this point that we're afraid. And then we bring that because I think so much of our parenting is really about us and our heart work. Yeah. You know, like if we're doing the hard work of heart work, then no matter where our kids are, we will have the grace and perspective and wisdom to parent our kids because we're willing to look inside first Mm. and not just make these judgment calls on them. When our oldest was, um, four and I was learning how to use scripture as guides to parent, right. Um, there was this moment where we had had a really bad day and he's very strong-willed just like I am. So we kind of would lock heads at four or five and six. 
And I was going to go up there to his room and we were going to have conversation. And I was going to point out using Galatians five, where he was not lining up to the fruit of the spirit. And the Lord was like, bing, 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 like on my heart. And he said, where are you not lining up Hmm. the fruit of the spirit? And I was like, oh, well, that's a whole nother conversation. (laughs) And so instead of me going in and correcting him, according to scripture, I went in with my Bible and I showed him the verse and we read it. And I said, mama has not been these things today. Hmm. I have not been patient with you. I have not been kind. I have not been loving or gentle. I have not controlled my anger. Like I have not brought, like I have, and I'm sorry. And I just remember sitting there on the floor with him and he looks at me and he says, it's okay, mom, I forgive you. And he gives me this big hug. Right. And then he says, and mama, I haven't been those things either. Hmm. And it was like, oh, that's how we do this. Yeah. Right. We're willing to go first. We're willing to go first and say, this is what humility looks like. This is what confession looks like. This is what owning our ish looks like. And then they're like, oh, well, when I see you do that, I don't have to get defensive because in those teenagers, they are trying to assert their independence and their individuality and who they are. And so they feel like they have to get bigger, right? Get bigger and bolder with us. And in, in situations, and when you come, when you go soft and you come in and you say, Hey, instead of me being bigger and bolder, um, I'm going to go in soft and I'm going to go humble. Then they realize that they don't have to be big and bold, that they can go humble too. Mm. And, um, the more and more they see us do that, the more and more they'll feel safe to be vulnerable back with us and be like, well, this is what I'm afraid of, you know? And, and what I realized is when I do that, our kids reveal that they are wiser than maybe sometimes we give them credit for that. They're looking at facets that maybe we're not looking at um, because they're in it. And they'll be like, mom, like kids at school cuss all the time, but I don't choose to do that, but it does happen, you know? And it's like, Oh, okay. Okay. Well, all right. We're cool. You know, or mom, like kids joke about this all the time, but that's not who I am. And I don't want to do that. And so I just say this and I'm like, that's amazing. Like way to go, bud or sis, like, cool, cool. You know? And then I'm like, okay, they're, they're doing it. And even if they don't, even if they make the dumb choice, because I've proven to be a safe person, they can come home and be like, I really messed that up. Hmm. And like, yeah, you did. (laughs) But here's how we're going to work together on this. There's consequences. Let's figure that out. You know, that's awesome. Yeah, it does. I know we've had conversations like this on clubhouse about saying, sorry, learning to say sorry to your kids. It's really hard because we're supposed to be in charge, right? We're supposed to be in charge. So Mm -hmm. it's like in our minds, I think as parents, we're like, we don't need to say, sorry, they're the ones you know, we've already told them what to do, (laughs) you know, but coming in and building relationship, especially that's what I'm learning so much. Now, once the kids got into junior high and older, it's like, so, so important to surrender in that relationship, even just say, I'm sorry, 
this is my bad. And I make mistakes. I say that so much. Oh my gosh. I, I make mistakes. I'm, I'm human. I am going to, I'm going to mess this up, but I'm trying my best, you know, and I hope that you can forgive me. Like I forgive you, you know? And I, I was laughing earlier. You were talking about like how we have to just pray that God fills the holes, right? That's like my, been my prayer since they were younger. Cause I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I do not know what I'm doing, Lord, please. Holy spirit come and fill the gaps where I'm making mistakes. Cause I am making a lot. So just please make, fill those gaps. Yeah, absolutely. It's so and it's, yeah. And it's just like, and the, the cool part is when we realize that then we get to let ourselves off the hook a little bit. Like yeah. we are still responsible. We're still the steward. We're still the parent excellently, but we're not to parent perfectly. Yeah. And we give ourselves permission to get off the hook of trying to be perfect parents. And instead we just get to be like, my goal is to be a wholehearted parent. I want to, I want to parent from the healed spaces and I want God to continue to heal my heart where there's wounds Mm. and parent from that. Um, and then, because if I parent from that place, then I'm, I'm giving an example and giving my kids permission to live from that space. But if I parent from perfection, Mm -hmm. then I'm setting the expectation that that's what they need to live into as well. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not just putting myself on the, on the hook, but I'm like, you know, hanging everyone's book bag on that hook of perfectionism or people pleasing or approval or whatever it might be. And And when I come and just see myself for the reality of who I am, like, I'm not going to do this perfectly, um, but God, I want to do it excellently. Will you help me? Will you show me the reality of my heart? Will you show me where I'm actually doing great and where I'm messing? It's, it's a both, right? right? Um, Then I give them, then I take them off that hook and they get to, to journey with, with Jesus in a similar fashion. That's really, I love that. I love parenting from a healed place. And we have to remember, it comes down to that. We have to remember that we have been healed too from our things and just as much as they need it too. So Rebecca, I love this conversation so much. Thank you so much for being here friends. She did this last minute with me jumped on here. I asked her to do this yesterday and she was like, yes. And I was like, Thank you for saying yes. I am so glad you came on here and thank you so much for giving up some time of your day and hiding out in your closet from your kids (laughs) and just being here. I so, so appreciate your wisdom and your perspective on parenting. It's so awesome. Um, before we go, um, first, any tips you have on the, the, subject of identity, just because that is like my main focus of this podcast, no pressure if nothing comes to mind, but, and then if you want to close out with just a little bit, um, where we can find you, where, um, anybody can find you on Instagram or Facebook or clubhouse or wherever you are that way. Um, and I will put all of that in the show notes as well. Perfect. So the verse, one verse that I brought in with me, and hopefully I can make this make sense is, um, from the message, uh, translation paraphrase, right. Yeah. <laughs> but it's from Matthew 11 and it's 28 through 30. If you look that up on like BibleGateway.com, the message of Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Um, this is where Jesus says, you know, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Mm-hmm. And it's this beautiful invitation 
to come in with all that we are carrying and, and lay it with Jesus and find rest with him. Mm-hmm. But what the message says in their paraphrase is there's this one little part and it says from the viewpoint of Jesus, walk with me and work with me, watch how I do it, mm-hmm. learn the unforced rhythms of grace. And when I think of identity and when I think of this passage, I think it's like an invitation of Jesus saying, hey, tie up with me like a three-legged race. And move with me as I move Hmm. in your day, right? Walk with me and work with, and work with me. So it's like when I rise, when I'm doing the dishes, when I'm running errands, like tie up with Jesus and move as he moves and watch how he does it and do it in that fashion. And, and when we do that, we are able to live from this place of unforced rhythms of grace and how I think that's important to identity is because it shows us that it's not about us making our own way. It's not about us hustling so hard. It's not about even who we are as parents or who we are on our own and all the taglines that we put, you know, author, mom of this many, married for this long, pastor's wife, pastor, like, you know, corporate ladder climber, whatever it is that we we use to validate ourselves, Hmm. that this imagery says, well, I co-partner with Jesus and do in life. And that is a pretty rocking statement. It, lower in the verse, later in the verse, it says, keep company with me. And that is the thing that I want my kids and I want others to say about me is like, she kept company with Jesus. And it's like, man, if, if that is my eulogy, if that's what's on my tombstone, like that'll be more than enough to describe who I was, you know? So that's my verse. That's my last thought on identity. Love it. Love it. Love it. Okay. Really quick. Cause I know, I know you have to get back to your family. Just where can we find you? Yeah. Share a little bit. My favorite place to be is Instagram at RQ Pierce, um, on Instagram. And then you can also find me on clubhouse. Second favorite place to be probably. Yeah. Cause I'm just not there every day. Um, but clubhouse is my second place. And then do today. Well, 365.com. You can sign up for my email newsletter where I send out a once a month, practical encouragement, um, grace-based practical encouragement into your inbox. And so those are kind of the three places I am. Awesome. Awesome. And again, I will put those in the show notes. So that way you have easy links to those as well. All right. Thank you so much for being here again, Rebecca. You're amazing. And yeah, hope you have an amazing rest of your day, everybody. I'll see you guys later. Bye. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. All right, friends. Oh my goodness. I hope and pray you were blessed beyond measure from this conversation because I know I was, I just listened back and there's so many good nuggets in there. Just a reminder, if you have not gotten a hold of my five-day devotional on identity, I would love for you to get your hands on that. You can go to thekingdomdaughters.com and click on the link that says free five-day devotional. It's all about identity, and I would love for you to jump into that and get started on understanding who you are in Jesus. Remember, friend, you are seen, you are known, you are loved by the King of Kings, And I hope you have a blessed rest of your week. Bye now. Thank you so much, friend, for listening in. I pray you are encouraged, challenged, and blessed. 
make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. One of the ways you could help me is by leaving the podcast a review. So if you have a minute, I would love your feedback. Thank you again. You are amazing. Remember, you are a daughter of the King. Believe God is who he says he is. Receive his unconditional love and walk in the purpose he has for you, girl. Until next time.